Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic, what makes the best leaders so good. Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader-related, related to leading yourself and leading others. I'm John Laredo, your host. Today, I would love to talk about a topic that is near and dear to me. It is without a doubt, I think for many leaders, one of the most challenging parts of leadership, and that is coaching, coaching people. And for some people, this comes naturally, and wow, I give you all the credit in the world, because for me, this didn't. It took me a while to understand it and learn it, and I had to be coached how to coach. And today, I do the coaching to coach the coaches. Wow, that's a lot of coaches in there. So, uh, But anyways, I figured some stuff out that really, really worked for me. I want to share them with you. I hope they help you because no matter what you are, whether you're a uh, CEO of an organization, whether you're a mid-level manager, whether you're a coach of a sports team, a principal, whatever, there are elements of this that will absolutely help make you a better coach and ultimately a better leader. And here's what I look at. Coaching ultimately is helping somebody do something they would not have been able to do without your help. And it comes into play in all kinds of realms of life as a parent, as a kid, as a student, as a uh, career-minded individual, as a business owner and relationships, whatever. Ultimately, we all need coaching. And ultimately, we're always in a situation of being the coach, whether we realize it or not. So I'll give you a quick example. I Recently, uh, my son is now uh, at uh, driving age, getting ready to uh, to drive, and I got him a, which has been a car that's been in my mind for so many years, I got him a Jeep Wrangler, um, and I love this car, it's fantastic, it's lifted, it's got big tires, it's like, just can't wait for the weather to turn and be able to take the doors off and everything like that, so... Uh, I got it for him because it is his, but I also realized, wow, there's really kind of a cool benefit that I'll be able to drive it every once in a while and have some fun with it. So in any event, uh, the one thing with it, though, it's a 2012 and it is a manual. Uh, so it is not an automatic transmission. It's a manual. So stick shift. For those of you who have never driven a stick shift, well, let me say this. For those of you who have driven a stick shift couple things. One, once you learn how to drive a stick shift, you always know how to drive a stick shift. You never forget. Granted, you might get you know, a little rusty at it, but you never forget. You can literally go 15, 20 years without driving a stick, jump into it, and you can do it again. Secondly is, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody who's driven a stick shift that doesn't love it. They think it's awesome. Now, granted, if you're in traffic, stop and go, it's kind of a pain in the ass. But for the most part, it's a lot of fun to drive a stick. Now, I don't know, maybe... Someone out there is saying, I hate driving sticks, so send me a message, let me know. You might be the first one I've talked to, but for the most part, I think everybody loves it. So uh, I got this Jeep uh, for Nick, super excited, like, wow, really cool uh, you know, experience. And um, at the same point, uh, he's kind of fretting about, okay, how am I going to learn how to, how to drive stick? And how am I going to figure this out? And how is this? And I could see the questions that he was asking me. We're along the lines of like, okay, am I going to be able to do this? What's it going to require? Can you walk me through it? 
And you know what's funny is, you know, we're talking on the phone. This was before we actually took possession of it. It's going through of the phone and sitting down and going through it. And I'm I'm trying to describe it. And I'm I'm like, okay, well, here's the clutch, here's the brake, here's the acceleration, accelerator, and, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm trying to walk through it and teach it to him. And we went through it over and over and over again. I'm like, okay. Here's what we got to do with the pedals. Clutches down. You get the brake down. You shift. You lift the, you know, off the brake. You start to put the acceleration down. You're lifting the clutch up. You know, you got to do this nice and smooth movement. Blah blah blah. And we're just going through it over and over and over again. And it's it's getting to a point where he's still asking so many questions, not really grasping it. Wait, go through this again. Where? How do you do this again? What? What? So when do you put? What happens when you come to a stoplight? What do you do? And I'm going through it. And I finally like, buddy, listen, there is no way I can teach this to you just by talking through it and drawing it out on a piece of paper. The only way you're going to learn how to do it is you've got to jump in the driver's seat and you've got to do it. And that's it. And it just reminded me that so many coaches, there comes a point where you can't just, you got to end the classroom discussion. You have to get them out there doing the task. I don't care if you're learning how to be a presenter, if you're learning how to fly a plane, if you're learning how to drive a stick shift, whatever it is, or play basketball, you've got to ultimately get out there and play. You've got to do the thing you're trying to learn how to do. Otherwise, you're just never going to learn it. You can read so many books on it. You just can't learn it until you do it. I don't care what you are, if you're a brain surgeon or you're, uh, you know, a teacher or anything. Uh, so ultimately, it came time to do that. And we uh, we got in the car, uh, got into a big parking lot and uh, had him jump in the driver's seat. And it was really, really a cool experience. Now, what it also brought to memory is is and realization is that you've heard me talk about the four different competency levels. And this is really critical to know because there's one transition that is the most difficult by far. And if you realize that, then you start to say, okay, this isn't as difficult because I just need to master this one trans uh, transition. So basically, anytime we're starting a new task, we're starting off as unconsciously incompetent, which basically means like Nick when and like me, when I started driving stick before I jumped in the car, before I knew anything about it, I didn't know what I knew. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know the first thing about driving a stick shift. I had no idea how to do it. So unconsciously incompetent means you can't do it and you don't even know what you're doing right or wrong. You really haven't done it. Or if you have done it, you still you just don't know what you're doing right or wrong. Then you make a transition to consciously incompetent which means, oh, okay, you know, I'm riding a bike. Okay, got it. Okay, now I'm falling off the bike because I'm not pedaling fast enough or I got to look forward. I can't just look down. I'm crashing into things. Okay, now I'm realizing what I'm doing wrong. So when he's driving the stick, we started off and right away, of course, which I expected, he stalls. Okay, and I said, okay, here's the reason why. Lifting the clutch up too fast. You're not putting the acceleration down enough. And ultimately, that transition is not going smooth, so the car is stalling. That's what's happening. So he started to figure that out. Now he's at the level of of consciously incompetent. So unless you're driving, write these things down. These four things are really valuable. You start off as unconsciously incompetent. You then become consciously incompetent. Okay, Nick's saying, I get it. I understand what I'm doing wrong. Okay, now the next thing is figuring out how to do it right. And you have to think through it. Now, what I will tell you... Once you get through consciously competent, which is where you where you really have to be conscious and aware of what you're doing to do it right, 
you then move on to what's called unconsciously competent, which means like many of you, you jump in a car, you drive a car. We all we don't even have to think about it, right? Sometimes we drive to a location. We don't even remember going. We don't even remember getting it. We just remember getting there. We don't remember the journey because we're so good at it. Our brain just goes into autopilot. We don't even need to think about it. It's like breathing. We don't need to think about, okay, I got to take a breath in, take a breath out. It just happens. We're unconsciously competent at it. The difficult part of coaching is the fact that when you were so good at something and you were unconsciously competent, it's really hard to teach somebody because you actually have to take a step back. So it made me realize that as I'm in the passenger seat of the car and Nick's asking me these questions and even before we got in the car and I'm like, you know, I, I can't. He's like, what do you do when you're turning a corner? I'm like, you know what? I got I got to sit in the car and just think this through. I got to feel it because I, I don't know. I couldn't think of what it was that my body would do in those moments. And I really had to think hard. I think this is a challenge that a lot of leaders have or a lot of coaches have is they don't take it back a step. They just say, well, you just got to do it. Or you're just, you know, if you're teaching a kid how to dribble a basketball, it's like you forget all the mechanics that went into it to get your brain to become unconsciously competent. So the biggest message I would say to a leader is really force yourself and it's tough, but take yourself back and really think through what are the things that you have to do to be successful, to do this task successfully? What goes into making that sales call? What goes into knowing how to pivot in that meeting? You know, what goes in? What were the things that you saw or heard or body language that you read that told you to do that? Because again, it's second nature to you. You don't even have to think about it. You're so good at it. You just do it. That's why you're a leader. That's why you're in your position. You did so well at the task. You're now in a position of teaching others. But to be really, really effective, the best teachers, coaches, leaders are the ones that can take it back to being consciously competent. So here I am with Nick being very quickly reminded of this fact. And so what I realized, though, and what I told them is, listen, you are going to stall this thing. And no joke, we stalled it 20 times in a row. He's getting super frustrated. And I'm like, listen, Nick, this is this is just part of learning it. I promise you, if you keep going, I promise you that you will ultimately learn this, become successful. When you get it, you will get it and you will never forget it. It will just hit you. And what I'm looking for here, this is the magic moment. The moment where, whether you're the student or the teacher, you hear this or you say this and you go, oh, I got it. Okay, I get it. All right. Okay, I got it. That's what you're looking for, right? That aha moment. Oh, okay. Yeah, now I get it. And for driving a stick shift, it's just this feel that you get where you know the proper balance between the acceleration and the clutch. You know the actual timing of it. You get the feel for it. And it's hard to explain it. It's hard to write it down. You can't put it in an instruction manual. You have to get the feel for it. But once you get the feel for it, it'll never go away. And that's where you become consciously competent. Okay, we, I uh, shared with you my story about uh, learning how to uh, water ski the whole day, falling, falling, falling. And the one time I figured it out, my friend gave me great advice. And I'm like, that's the feeling I need in my legs. I need to push through the water. And I stand up and that did it. I never, never had any problems again. I used to be a baseball pitcher. And I remember, uh, you know, learning how to throw one of the best pitches a pitcher can throw is uh, split finger fastball. It is a tough pitch to throw. And, and I remember reading books and I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm putting the seams through my, my, my fingers are spread like this 
and I'm throwing the ball and it's kind of a snap at the end. And I'm like, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm trying to do it on my own. And I'm like, I just so frustrated. I was, you can't read how to throw a split finger fastball. You have to be coached how to do it. And you just, even a coach has trouble teaching you how to do it. Even a professional pitcher is going to have t- difficult because it's just the feel of that snap. And I remember at a baseball camp, throwing, 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 and I'm trying so hard because if you get this pitch, it's one of the most effective pitches. The batter has a really difficult time reading this pitch. It comes in with a with a really indetectable spin, and what happens is it comes in fast, so it's basically like 90, 95% of your fastball speed, and then the bottom drops out, and there's like no warning. It just drops. It's like it just, and it's it's subtle enough so it's not perceptible, but it's it's big enough so it's effective. And it's a great, great pitch to master. Very few pitchers can get it. So I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it till my arm is like falling off. And then one day, one pitch, it was like, wow, I got it. I saw it. And it was amazing because I'm like, wow, that just, and the catcher was like, whoa, no, that's amazing, man. It just did it. And I'm like, whoa, okay, give it, throw it back to me. Let me do it real quick. And it was that moment I'm like, ah, okay, that's the snap you got to do. So what's key with anything is you've got to get that person. You've got to get the person you're coaching to that level, that, oh, I get it moment. So with my son, I'm like, listen, buddy, you are going to get this. You're going to get the feel. And at some point, you're going to get it. You're going to move it into first. And then you're going to do the same thing. And you're going to move it into second. And when you do that, you're now consciously competent, and then the rest is easy because you're just going to keep doing it over and over and over again, and eventually you're not even going to have to think about it. And sure enough, we're driving, and that moment where he gets it in the first, and we're moving, and we're like, all right, all right, keep going, keep going. And okay, now shift second, and he gets it in the second. That's the hardest thing, going from first to second. Okay, get it moving is hard, but then once you get it moving, get it from first to second. If you can get from first to second, you can get from second to third and third to fourth. Uh, and he finally did it. And it was like, oh, I get, I get it. I know what you're talking about. I see. All right, gotcha. And that was the moment he becomes consciously competent. So it's just amazing to me. And again, it applies to everything. I see a lot of people that are great at a task. And I see a lot of people that are promoted to a leader position. And they're now because they were they were promoted because they were so good at that role. Now they're leading other people, teaching other people how to do it. And there's a lot of people that I know that are great at that role, but they don't, they're not effective as a leader because they're not good trainers or teachers or coaches. They just, they, they lose that part of it. And this is what it is. Honestly, watch this episode, listen to this episode, because if you can just take it back a step and really be conscious of the stuff that you are now totally unconsciously competent at, that's how you become a coach. That's how you can write the instruction book. And again, it's not about reading a book or writing a book. It's about getting out there and doing it. But I mean that metaphorically, if you can get it to the point where you can write out all the steps and the the things that everybody has to do to master that task, you will become an unbelievably effective coach. Um, Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of the importance of doing the task. Okay, they will never, you know, I, I've learned the, the, uh, the, the phrase somebody told me long ago, uh, to play the tuba, learn to play the tuba, you got to play the tuba. You can't read about it, you know, you got to get out there and you actually got to do it. You got to put your hands on it. You got to try it out and see what it's like to learn how to drive a stick shift. You got to get out there. Uh, you got to do it. There's no way to do it unless you get out there and do it. All right. That to me is the pivotal moment in coaching that, oh, I get it. 
Okay, so look for that. Tell the person you're coaching, listen, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be frustrated. You've heard me talk in prior episodes about the phases somebody goes through. And I'll tie it real quickly to this. When Nick started, wanted to learn how to become, uh, learn how to drive stick, he was an enthusiastic beginner. Hey, didn't know what he's doing, low skill, but very high will and motivation, right? Awesome, great, I can't wait to do it. Well, after 20 times of stalling the car, frustration level was super high. He really quickly became, a pause to give you a chance to think about it if you heard that last episode, he became a disillusioned learner very quickly. And he realized this is a lot harder than I, I thought. And, and their temptation at that point is to quit, trust me. That's where you lose people in your organization or trying to develop them on a task. They're like, you know, when I was water skiing and falling, 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 I'm like, you know, I don't want to do it anymore. My friend like grabbed me. He's like, you're doing it. I don't care if we're out here the whole day. He just pushed me. He gave me the right leadership to do it. And then he gave me some tactical stuff. Here's what you got to do differently. And it worked. He pushed me over the edge. Once you get through disillusioned learner, the rest is easy because then you become a capable but cautious performer. That's where Nick is right now. Capable but cautious performer. Okay, and now it's going to take repetition over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and then you become a self-reliant achiever. Now, when you're a self-reliant achiever, you go into teaching mode. You then, as a leader, when you have self-reliant achievers on your team and in your organization, they're the ones that are going to help you scale the organization. They're the ones that are going to help you protect the standards. They're going to develop people. They're going to get the rest of the team up to their level. And that's a beautiful thing as a leader when you develop those self-reliant achievers. And then they're your next leaders, your formal leaders, and they help you grow that organization to a huge level. So keep in mind those four phases that somebody goes through. Critical. Again, you lose people, disillusioned learner. Keep pushing them. You have The leadership you provide in that moment, in that phase, is by far the most critical. That's why you are who you are. And that's why you are in the role that you are in And that's why you are in that moment with that person to push them through, keep them going because that next phase, the rest of it is going to be easy. Get them to the capable but cautious performer and then ultimately on a self-reliant achiever. So I hope this was helpful, relatively brief episode today, but in my mind, coaching as a leader, it's absolutely critical. I could do 50 episodes on this, all kinds of things that I learned. This is something I wish I watched this podcast 15, 20 years ago when I was early in leadership, uh, 25 years ago when I was brand new, because uh, it would have helped me, I think, shave three, four, five years off of my leadership uh, path. So I hope that does the same for you. Feel free to message me directly. I'm happy to go through some different scenarios with you or help you coach other people and become a better leader. Uh, feel free, please reach out. Uh, in the meantime, like, subscribe, share, all that kind of good stuff. Give me comments, give me suggestions on what you'd like to hear. What are the challenges that you are having as a leader? Whatever your role is, your organization, what are the unique things that you'd love me to share, uh, talk about, bring some people on that can talk about? Uh, I'd love to be of some help. And of course, go down below, give five-star reviews, and let me know your thoughts there. Until next time, have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader for suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching. Reach me at john at loritogroup.com. Once again, that's J-O-H-N at L-A-U-R-I-T-O-G-R-O-U-P.com. Thanks. Lead on.